Good evening, everyone. We have another wonderful show of the Four Guys Roundtable Show. And once again, I am here, Theo, followed along by Darth Pat, AJ Nitro, and Coach Jeremy. Gentlemen, hello. Hola. How are you? Howdy, to shoot some and talk some. I'm all out of bubblegum. What? Say that again? I didn't catch that. <laughs> Chew bubblegum and talk smack, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh. So he's going to variation talk smack on, this evening. That's a variation on the Roddy Piper line from They Live. I mean, come on. Uh-huh. You call yourself a wrestling fan? Never watched They Live? Uh, I, I didn't I like it, so. Okay, but you watch That's That's yeah. all that Unfortunately, I, I know the line. I know the line. I've seen the movie. Don't worry. I am well educated on that kind of stuff. <laughs> Other stuff, not so educated on, like my spelling. Not so educated on the spelling part. Uh, as we all know. Spelling. It's overrated these days. Or saying words. Sometimes saying the correct word. That, that's uh, that fine. Shit's, that shit's overrated these days, too. Well, you know, he has the best words, so. Yes, that's right. I do have the best words. You try and say some of the words that I'm trying to say. You get it. (laughs) I want to believe that me and Pat would have known the difference between incantation and. I have no idea what you're talking about there, but anyways. (laughs) 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 What, Pat? (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, Pat's doing some moving lips, but nothing's coming out of the <laughs> mouth for vocal cords. No yes. sound. Our our good friend Pat looks like he's had a vocal cord operation. Um, for all our uh, listeners on iTunes and uh, other media stations, <laughs> so that is not what happened. But I had my I had my soul extracted from my the bottom of my neck. Well, that's what happens when you're on the dark side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, they just come and take your damn soul right from you. Yep, they do. They do. <laughs> All right. So, and then they charge you three hundred bucks for it. At least he's not talking out of a voice box like Kane. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty lame ass gimmick in uh, for him to do. <laughs> I don't mean to that make as many people talking about voice boxes. I was thinking of the one character from South Park there. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Look out, Ned! They're coming right for us. <clears throat> exactly. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, I remember his name. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Just thinking about South well, Park. Then. Talk about oh, a show. Talk about a freaking show that pushed the boundaries of what is just not right. <laughs> and stuff that they and made butthead. fun of. You can put both of those right next to each other. That oh, yeah. and and butthead. I mean, I haven't watched South Park in years. I know it's still on, and they still come up with new episodes, but, oh, my God, when I used to watch that, I mean, probably, what, 10 years ago or so when it first came out? Maybe more than that now? Oh, my God. That show is just... It's been on the air since 1997. Holy crap. Jesus. Jeremy's off by a few years again. Well, Well, no offense. That tells you how long it's been since I've watched that show. (laughs) Yeah, and, and and really, once something's been on the air for more than ten years, you know, 
it's you really it's really easy to lose track of exactly when it came on. I mean, Law and Order SVU's been on the air for twenty years now, so <laughs> I didn't know South Park was on that long. I knew it was somewhere, maybe oh, 90s, late nineties. I can remember watching the premiere episode and everything. So uh yeah. Well see, and that's the thing, like that show came out a year after I graduated high school and I could have swore I was at least in my mid twenties by the time that show came out. So the fact that it came out a year after I graduated high school, I couldn't even remember. Like I had no idea that concept. I remember completely lost. I remember watching it when I was in college. That would have been when I was in college. So yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing for me since I'm a little bit younger than you guys. I mean, you know, from like my late grade school uh, years through high school years, a lot of subversive shows were hitting the airwaves, especially on cable. Whether it was like Ren and Stimpy or Beavis and Butthead or South Park, you know, there was there was a lot of that stuff that was coming out in, in, in those years, which uh, really kind of changed things around. And you know, you, I almost I'd like to think, though I really don't have any proof of this, that shows like that shows like that also kind of indirectly led to you know like the attitude era and wrestling mm-hmm. and stuff like that just that like tastes were changing norms were being pushed into different boundaries and then and stuff like that mm-hmm. i don't know you, you get the feeling when you when you listen to somebody like vince russo talk about you know his like philosophies with uh with with wrestling and everything you, you get the feeling that well in addition to a shit ton of jerry springer yeah he probably watched those shows and thought they were things ever so I mean, shit. I mean, they had fucking Golga in the oddities carrying around the apartment doll for a while. So, I mean, there you go. True. Very yeah, true. Very true. Speaking of cool. wrestling, real quick, Pat, it was pretty awesome when Chris Jericho told Jim Cornette he was banned from watching AEW. <laughs> it, it, it was. It was. And what was also very entertaining was Cornette's response. Uh, because I did, I did listen to that. He said he doesn't watch AEW Dark anyway. So <laughs> he said he doesn't. He never watches AEW Dark anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, he also, you know, he also told his audience, you know, he, he, he you know, he like he, he like lowered his voice and, you know, he said that even though Jericho's banned him from watching, he's still going to sneak down to his basement, <laughs> turn off the lights. Keep the volume real low. Still gonna watch the goddamn show. It would have been better if you would just said, "I'm gonna rub one out" because that's what he's probably really doing. <laughs> I love wrestling. I say though that Jericho's a bit of a fucking idiot right now. So I mean, he is. No, no, uh, no. This, this has nothing to do with AEW. This is because he went and played that. The fucking Sturgis rally, you know, he, he right. and his band went to that fucking rally where you still have, like, what was it? They said, like, well, you, oh, usually we get half a million people. Now it's only going to be a quarter of a million people. Yeah, none of them who are socially distancing or wearing masks or anything. It's like, hey, assholes, you want this fucking virus to go away? Don't do shit like that. Yeah, I'm surprised that Sturgis still went on. But not surprised, I, too, I'm in the same sense. Because it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of fucking rednecks and... Uh, right wingers and you know just uh, here we go people who are only concerned with one thing which is you know having a fun time on their bikes 
And I honestly, I don't give a shit if this fucking offends anybody who's listening to it. But I'm sorry if you're really gonna, if you're really that fucking hell bent on going to an event like that when there's this goddamn pandemic that's killed 170 thousand people in this country alone going on right now, you kind of deserve to get the fucking thing yourself. I'm not saying you deserve to die. I'm not saying you deserve to die. Wow, it's going hardcore in. Fucking thing, because you're basically in a huge living petri dish because you don't know who the fuck could be carrying it. You don't have to show any symptoms. You can get it from that asshole who you're standing two feet next to, even, you know, that they don't cough on you or anything. You're, you're taking your life into your own hands. And it's like, I've been at two events in the last week. I had to go to a wedding and I had to go to a funeral. But, you know, I wear my goddamn mask through the most, the majority of both of them because I'm trying to do what I can to, you know, hopefully... If I somehow have it, not give it to other people, but also doing what I can to not get it from others, too. It's like, it's not that fucking hard. You could have gone to the goddamn rally and still been wearing fucking masks and still had a good time. Sorry, I didn't, didn't know he well, was going to go there. <laughs> I knew he was going to go there. That was, yeah. I knew that. So, listen, I, I, I'm a redneck right here. My name is Redneck Joe Brony. In my redneck city cup, I take a fit today. God damn it. So that was my funky broads on the back and go wheeling and dealing. That's where I that was my uh that was that was one of my quick wrestling hits. My other one was gonna be that Randy Orton is a fucking prick. Well that shouldn't surprise you. He's being kind of a prick for his I know, but he just he just can't keep his mouth shut. Like just shut the fuck up. Ooh, what did he say? I did not hear what he said. What did he say? Yeah, he another Twitter. Thing. More pot Twitter shots is. at AEW. He just can't keep his mouth shut. First it was NXT, now it's AEW. He just can't keep his mouth shut. And this is also the week where I saw some idiot try to say that Randy Orton is the best wrestler in the world right now. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What, Pat? Very clearly is. I'm basing that on the fact that he is still a charisma vacuum. And <laughs> Uh, still speaks with the same robotic monotone voice that he used. I in could, I can list ten guys. I can list one guy at least in his forties that's better than him, AJ Styles. So I just and the guy was like, "Oh well, Raw's a shit show and Orton's carrying it." I'm like, "Okay, that's like saying you're the the best part of the turd in the toilet." So. <laughs> Can anybody uh, set to truly be carrying Raw right now? I mean, I just... That's no offense to anybody who's on the show, but it's like, we all know the creative is bullshit, so... All right, let's let's be honest here about Randy Orton, okay? If we're going to, you know... Randy Orton peaked when he was in Evolution. That was the peak of his career. Since then, it was... was, I would say maybe a little bit later than maybe like 2000... 2000 maybe like late 2000s maybe i really felt like the peak of his career was when he was doing the feud with triple h when they involved all the mcmahons like when he was punting stephanie and vince and everything because to me that's when he was at his most like despicably evil and everything so i I felt i felt that was his peak but i don't even like if i was gonna rank I don't even know if I would. I don't think I would put him in my top 15. I think he might be maybe between 15 and 25 somewhere. Maybe. So here's the real. 
So here's does, does, are there, sorry, Jeremy. Are there any sorry. are there any women, are there any women in your top fifteen? No, I would keep them. I would keep that as a separate entity. I would rank the women as okay. a separate entity. I was, I, I was just curious. So here here's the thing about Randy Orton, okay? And this kind of goes for any wrestler, but we'll just talk about Randy Orton. Okay. We are talking yeah. about him specifically. If you took him off a show, to be perfectly honest. Bar, regardless, not with the COVID thing, because we know COVID, you have to have as many people as on right. as possible because there's just, there, you know, people are, even in the wrestling world, of being safe and seeing, I'm not working until this shit's cleared up. But on a normal basis, if you took Randy Corton out of the equation of any show on WWE, would it make a difference? No. Not, and the, the, not. Thing is, the thing that was <laughs> funny about this week, too, is Joe was actually, Theo was actually texting me at the end of Raw as Orton was beating up Ric Flair or being a dick to Ric Flair. And he's like, this is stupid. And I'm like, this is stupid. And then to top it off, they have him punt him when the lights are off. And Drew McIntyre comes out to save Ric Flair. And Drew McIntyre has no ties to Ric Flair other than that he's the good guy. And it was just a really dumb segment that like a lot of people are like, oh, my God, this was so good. And Joe's texting me like, this is a stupid segment. And I agreed with no, him. I mean, I get the emotional aspect of the whole segment at the end. You're killing another. You're, you're killing. You're destroying a another 70 legend, year old but, legend. Who cares? He's 70. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, like a guy that's that old, that can barely do anything like there's you, you put a lot of time and investment in, a, in an ending segment. For what real reason? What's your long term goal with this? Like you're going to yeah. turn Ric Flair face. I mean, this has nothing to do with <laughs> this has nothing to do with like to, uh, um, the pay-per-view coming up when with McIntyre. And although Orton. there's there's a lot of people speculating <laughs> that Flair is going to not it's a swerve and that Flair is going to help Orton beat McIntyre. I won't be surprised okay. because that's the only thing that's one of the things I thought of that the whole seems, time. I'm seems- like, oh, they're they're. They're playing this off just to fucking fool McIntyre and then, you know, swerve them to get, you know, Orton to win, which is, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think Orton should be winning the title anymore. I, I agree. He doesn't need to reach the 16. I it's agree. Not, that's just, that's just, and it's just bullshit. I'm really, I'm, I, if I was betting right now, I would bet Orton's going to win. Probably. And I'll, I'll, it's going to, and that's a waste. It's just such a waste. I, I, <clears throat> Also say this, like you're definitely right about. Let's like, see the, the the stupid part about doing it is because Flair obviously can't get revenge on Orton because Flair is obviously never is is never wrestling in a WWE ring ever again. Uh, now you say like you know what's the point of McIntyre coming down other than use the face? Well, yeah, that's kind of the point. I agree, it's not really the strongest point, but no, it's it, very weak. Does, it does get a little repetitive, and WWE is very guilty of this from like the results I read. Of heel beats up face commentator, referee, uh, backstage agent, whatever, and that nobody ever comes out to help the guy or the person who gets beat up. That's gotten like really repetitive. It's like it's about time it went back to like you know like the times of like when like the officials or whatever or a couple guys in the back would come out and try to like break it up or whatever. So I I guess I kind of like that they had McIntyre come out from that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But like you also said, that does just kind of set up the potential swerve that Flair will ju- that Flair will 
like somehow be there in McIntyre's corner and and just like help Orton win anyway. So you know. Hey, Jeremy, if if you want to see something really really kind of cool, go mm-hmm. find the clip of Seth Rollins and <laughs> Murphy beating the fucking shit out of Mysterio's kid the other night. They hit him thirty times with a kendo stick. Nice. Yeah, they. He had showed the, the pictures. They I, fucked I, him up. <laughs> I was cringing at that. I was even like, I was like flipping to look back and forth, and they were like, like hitting him out almost at the same time, Jeremy, in the back and the front. Like it was crazy. Hey, what were you so saying, Pat? Well, I was gonna say like I was like seeing those marks on Dominic Mysterio and like going like ah, like like recoiling. <laughs> but hey, did you guys see SmackDown last night? I did. Joseph, I read the results. What? Joseph Park? Yes. Yeah. Abyss. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you, if you never watched Impact, you'd never, you're TNA, you would never know. But what I saw, then I'm like, oh, man, I didn't see this live. <laughs> and me and Joe went to get their autographs at the same time. That's when we met AJ Styles when Abyss was there. Yeah. So that's. I thought I thought that was pretty cool because I know he's been working as an agent back there for like a year yeah. or two now. Um, yeah. You know, probably disappointing. They'll probably never have him wrestle since I know he's up there now and everything too. But and obviously mm-hmm. you can never wrestle as Abyss anyway. Um, but I just I just thought that was pretty, pretty cool that they put him on camera. So yeah, yeah. And the so sad ladies thing and is, gentlemen, go ahead, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The sad thing is, is that even though Abyss was Abyss was kind of a a ripoff of Mankind. Or Kane. Or Kane, yeah, you could go with Kane too. He was so good in the ring. He was. Like, he yeah, was he a very good big man. Like he could yeah. move, he could do the power moves. You stay. know, he in my opinion, like if they could have got rid of Kane and brought Abyss in, that would have been a better swap. I would have been fine. I would have been fine with that. Bring Abyss, <laughs> let him be the big guy, the monster, because he he just played that role so much so well. And he could I think Abyss could actually talk on the mic, too. I think he was a pretty decent, not great, but I think he was pretty decent on the mic compared to Kane, who I don't think was ever very good at all. I agree mic. on that. He was good enough on the mic to get, a, to, uh, to get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was good enough. All right. Go ahead, all right, Joe. Go ahead. <laughs> so we are several, several, several minutes into this podcast and we are talking about <laughs> stuff that's not even our main topic. I know. So, Sorry. <laughs> our main topics this evening is actually music. Oh, yes. Music. We are talking music today. We are talking music, what music we listen to, what we like, and uh, everything in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about. All right. Not politics, not wrestling, <laughs> not politics again, not wrestling again. Music. And if one of you segues off to wrestling, my mouse is going to come by your name and click on the little drop down arrow. And I'm going to. Sweet, that's all I have to do. (laughs) Well, you know, we got to start the show off with with stories or. And so it's like nobody had a story. So it was right into something off the wall. I mean, that that was that was different. We've not we haven't done like quick kit wrestling in a while at the beginning. So, so. But that's only because nobody had a story. Nobody, I didn't. We didn't even have a chance for stories today. Well, I mean, I okay. could have, I could have told one about concerts I've attended with two of the three of you on here. Yeah, we can talk about that when we get into our main yep. music topic. For sure. All right. 
I had a story I could have told, but I chose not to. Jeremy alluded to it. <laughs> now you tell me. <laughs> no, I said you alluded to it. You know, you you were talking about my little uh, you know neck wound here. So I also didn't feel like telling that story. So there. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know if the audience would really wanted to know that real mm-hmm. yeah, story, maybe real story of your neck wound. <laughs> I don't think so either. That's also another reason I was not funny. We'll save the gory stuff for another type of podcast. Maybe a Halloween podcast. <laughs> there you hey, go. I'll dress up uh, in a clown and have some balloons with me. So yeah, we are we are going to be talking music today, which is going to be a fun topic because we all four of us have similar but very very fucking different <laughs> music tastes. <laughs> Very different. Um, but before we get into music, of course, we always have to have our wonderful public service announcement. And we do always want to thank everybody for tuning in, uh, no matter where you're catching this. If you're catching it on YouTube, you're catching it on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify. We don't care where you're catching it. We thank you for watching, tuning in, listening. Um, you know, If you are catching it on YouTube, though, please make sure you're subscribing to our channel. Make sure you're turning on those notifications so you never miss an episode. You know, Give us a like. Give us a big old thumbs up. And also leave a comment. You know, we love, we would love to hear from you guys and see what you guys are thinking about the show. Get your thoughts on some of the topics that we're talking about. We'd love to know. Um, so, and if you are catching us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, just make sure you're giving us a rating so we can jump up in the charts and make sure that more people like yourself are seeing us, or I should say hearing us in that fact, uh, and getting the entertainment that we are hopefully bringing to you each and every week on a Monday. So let's go into the podcast, gentlemen. What about Twitter? Uh, Oh, yeah, we do have our Twitter, and that is uh, at four, the number four, guys with a Z, roundtable. Uh, you can catch our Twitter there. We are on there uh, systematically. I wouldn't say we're on there every single day all the time, but, you know, maybe a good old Theo will jump on there and do some tweets while we're in the middle of talking, you know? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe. I was thinking that might be pretty cool. The so, There's also another piece at the end, too, Jeremy. Yes, I know there is. I'm getting to that. Give me a second, goddammit. You were like, let's get into the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get into your face soon, son. <laughs> Ooh, where's the popcorn? <laughs> yes, oh, and don't oh, forget geez. to always, always tune in to the end of the show and count, catch, and count. You're going to count now. Uh, catch the Mount Rushmore of whatever it's going to be and then it's probably going to be music so just tune into the end and find out what it is all right now as i was Sorry. saying before my brain caught up with my mouth <laughs> i'll start counting jeremy screw-ups there you go go for it <laughs> it would be a good podcast three screw-ups screw <laughs> we're on sesame street now i guess <laughs> If you're going to do it like the count, I'm okay with it. If you're just going to be a t- do it to be a dick, that's no fun. All right? Oh, no, I'm going to do it as a count. <laughs> so let's jump into We got four topics that we're going to talk about in regards to music. Let's jump into the first one and say uh, most influential group or artist. So we got most influential group or artist. And Darth Pat, start us off. Most influential group or artist. For you, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, pretty obvious. The four lads from Liverpool, known as the Beatles. Okay, um, understand that. Everybody copy them. That's just 
plain and simple, the way it was. I mean, the ironic thing, of course, was that like the first uh, record company that they uh, that they went to to audition for back in England, uh, Decca Records. Um, the guy who rejected them told their manager that guitar groups were on their way out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> within within a year, within a year of him saying that, um, they had exploded onto the charts with uh, with the Please Please Me single and their their first album, the Please Please Me album, and then you know like you know all the the hits followed shortly thereafter, including you know She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand, and by the end of you know '63 they had conquered England, and then of course in '64 they came to the states. But you know everybody basically you know took various things from them whether they were the rolling stones or the who or um the kinks or the animals or you know the american bands like uh you know the doors or really anybody i mean just uh everybody borrowed something from the beatles and like the so many bands got signed up because record companies were looking for their Beatles. so it's it's really kind of hard to explain when you weren't there, and obviously I was not there during the '60s for Beatlemania, because again the word mania really much applied. It's like you see, you see the old videos and pictures of the girls screaming, mm-hmm. and even somebody who really loves the Beatles' music like I do, at the same time I'm saying, literally, what was wrong with these girls? <laughs> You know, what, what was wrong with these people that just made them decide that they had to scream at the top of their lungs so that it sounded more like a, a, a jet engine revving up than, you know, like the sounds of human voices and everything. Uh, but but I'm, not, I'm not making that up. I think when they said, because we, uh, I think today actually is the 55th anniversary of their, uh, their very famous concert uh, at Shea Stadium. And I believe they said that the screaming at that concert was so loud that they did actually measure it like with like a decibel meter or whatever they call it. And it was like the equivalent of like a jet engine, you know, like taking off. So, um, you know, it, it had a lot to do. It wasn't just like their music and everything. It was it was like their style and just like, the, like kind of like the way that they conducted themselves. They they had a, the like the uh, the sense of humor that helped like went over the. Um, like like the music press of the day, so like like everybody always like wanted to seem to like them and everything, because I I think you see even through today, if the uh, if like the music press doesn't like you, it's going to be a little bit harder to to make it. Like you know you need to have somebody on your side, especially as you're on the way up. Yeah. Right. Uh, once of course you know you've conquered everything, then they'll start knocking you if you start like stepping, and that happened to the Beatles. But. You know, they they just kind of inspired everything. I, I have a book. Uh, I don't know where the hell it is right now. Not important, but it's from. Um, well, I, then why'd like you I mention can, it? It's not like I can really like open it and kind of like show it onto the screen anyway. Um, but it's uh, if you're familiar with the website All Music Guide, uh, it's a book that they published several years ago. It has like reviews of albums by countless artists. You know, which is like really just like a sampling of what you see on their website, but there's one section towards the back of it, which they call like musical trees where like, they kind of like trace the roots where they show like, okay, there's like this group of artists, which all led into like this group of artists, which then led into this. There's one category. I can't remember what it is, but like the Beatles are like literally in the center of it all by themselves. There's like, you know, groups that like led to the Beatles, like artists that like led to the Beatles. And then there's like all the people who like offshooted from the Beatles. 
but they're literally the only people on the page and i think they're they're the only people on on any maybe on any page and like those musical trees in that books that are literally by themselves and that's just because of well both not just what went into creating them but what they kind of influenced and what they spawned and everything probably the only other artist who so they're probably rival would be like either elvis or dylan really so so you could uh, say they're like the six ways of bacon <laughs> yeah it's like it's like okay like they, they have like elements of like this type or like because yeah, again when you talk about rock and roll or just like rock music in general you know you can split into so many different subgenres. oh yeah touch on so many different subgenres in the stuff that they did and then of course the stuff that they influenced so yeah well yeah and and even if you were never a beatles fan or never listened to beatles music you can and but you know about music almost everybody knows about the Beatles and what they did and how much they changed the game for pretty much everybody in the music industry at that time and going forward. So yeah. it's, it's definitely a good, definitely very valid um, game changer group. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing. The fact that they've been broken up for 50 years and they still move albums every year. Like people still buy them like, you know, pretty consistently every year. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's like if they would ever release like something new, even if it's like a new outtake album or something, um, it would it would sell a, a great deal. So they they're they've they've endured. You know, that's just mm-hmm. that that's the best way to really say it, too. Probably more so than, like I said, like Elvis again, you know, you could probably say. But, you know, uh, they've endured in a way that few other groups have. You know, there's a lot of individual artists have because you could even throw somebody like Frank Sinatra and there people. You know, still buy Frank Sinatra albums, but like for for among like groups, I think the Beatles have endured, you know, probably better than anybody ever. Yeah. All right, AJ Nitro, influential group or artist, sir? NWA. NWA, and we can't say their name. <laughs> so. <laughs> Not if we want to survive. <laughs> the brothers with the attitude. They there definitely as close yeah. as we can get. They, they definitely. Uh, especially at that time. I mean, gangster rap happened because of them. So, and it was kind of like, even though nobody knew it then, but look at, look at the talent. Oh my god! In that, look at the talent in that, like Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Easy E, just alone. That right there, like those those guys were like three of the greatest rappers of all time. All three of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a shame that Easy E died, and if they were going to get back together. So if they would have gotten, if he had not died and they had gotten back together, I don't know. There was way more left in the tank for those guys. Too. Well, yeah. Cause they had, they had beef and, but they had, I felt, I think they squashed that beef. They like squashed the it they when had. they squashed it. They, you know, kind of went solo and there was definitely beef and then they kind of squashed it, but he had AIDS and, you know, so if uh, I don't know, you know, what more they could have, they would have changed even more probably if he had not died and they had gotten back together. I mean, Ice Cube and Dre did a lot on their own anyways. Yeah. And Dre, even though he was a great rapper, I think he's even more known for being a producer of so many great talents in the yeah. rap industry. Like, it's crazy. I mean, but, they, they found, I mean, you know, Dre found Snoop and like Eminem and just <laughs> there's a tree there. That's not quite the Beatles tree, but right. you, there's definitely some tree that goes on with NWA. I think more than any other, because that kind of, and then you like, I don't think it directly 
but it was like a super group almost. So then, mm-hmm. you know, six years later, we got cash money and we got all these other like labels where it was like eight, seven, eight people on a label or Master P. Like there was like that, that kind of was like that super group that started it where then, then that, now we have, there's not as many now, but we went through that period in the late nineties and two thousands where it was like labels were just, there would be like eight people signed to a label. Right. And if anybody knows NWA, um, which most people probably have at least heard of them, they may not know any of their music, but the very first thing that comes to my mind is Coming straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named fuck Ice Cube and fuck the police. <laughs> like, like that that verse, just you know those uh, that line sticks out of my head every time that somebody's like NWA, they were so awesome. I'm like, straight out of Compton, that very first thing that comes to my mind. And yeah, fuck the police was a huge one too. And and the movie's really good. The movie's really good. About I still need that. to see that. Like damn that movie, movie is well done. <laughs> you seen that? They no. like even I've seen it. I know. They did I'm a so they did a really good job of like it's crazy how much Ice Cube's kid looks like Ice Cube. Like in that movie, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, is this Ice Cube or his kid? <laughs> so they 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 and that first time they dropped that verse from uh, Boys in the Hood and like Easy E's rapping on it. It was it's like one of those moments like. I don't know, like when for me, it was like when I first heard the Transformers sound in the Transformers movie, that first time they dropped that beat in the movie was really cool for me. So I, I was there watching that on opening night. So mm-hmm. um, I also I, I, I'm going to say NWA and I'm also going to say the Beastie Boys. So I think the Beastie Boys did a lot, too, especially because I read a book about them. They were like 17, 16, 17 when they like became famous. And there was a lot going on for kids that age. They had no fucking clue what was going on when they were, became famous. And there was drugs and women and all that shit everywhere. When you're 16, 17 years old and that shit's everywhere. And they were like, they they never wanted an, one of their albums to be like the previous one. So they would go from like one end of the spectrum to the other and they would just sample for one album. And then they'd say, OK, this album, we're going to do this. It was really interesting reading about like them, like all mm-hmm. of like the book was like four or five hundred pages. It was a really interesting read. And I like them a lot. And I think they're maybe somebody that's a little bit underappreciated, maybe. <laughs> so I can see that. And the crazy thing about them, and I and I know you said the read you read the book, so you can probably confirm this. They didn't start off wanting to be rappers. They were going to no. be punk rockers. Right. <laughs> like, how do you how do you go from being punk rockers to being rap artists? Like that's like completely opposite ends of the field. Like not even close together. So it's crazy how. Could you imagine? Like we all, uh, Pat. I I'm sure you've listened to Beastie Boys too. But could you imagine hearing the Beastie Boys do punk rock after what we know they've done as rap artists? Like, I couldn't even imagine it would be anywhere close to the same <laughs> level of influence that they had in the, I, in the I, rap game. I, I could see it because I can see where there are some similarities between what I think of as punk rock and what I like hear on, on like the Beastie Boys stuff that I've listened to. I can I can see where it's not like an incredibly far step from one to I don't, the other. I don't think if they had went punk, they would have been as famous, though. I think no, they I found a niche. I don't, they I don't found think a niche. 
Right, and so, they, they found it. They found an issue which was which was still fairly unique to the way that they to the way that they did it because they see to me whenever I listen to a Beastie Boys excuse me whenever I listen to a Beastie Boys song to me it's like it's it's not quite rock like it's not like fully rock but it's not, it's also not fully rap you know it is a combination of the two. And I just don't think that there was really like a lot of other people who you did that. I mean, I think they really kind of trailblazed, you know, very distinct. Their style was very distinct. Trailblazed kind of merging like those two types of, of genres. And there have been some people who who have definitely come after that. Like uh, one band that I've always kind of liked is has been uh, Incubus. And I felt like mm-hmm. that they definitely owe a good deal to the Beastie Boys because like they their lyrics almost sound kind of like rap lyrics at Lincoln times. Lincoln Park a little bit maybe too. I could say yeah, I could say Lincoln Park definitely is uh like an offshoot of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, band. yeah. Well, but and, I, and I, if you're I, looking I, at, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, you know, uh, AJ used the term uh, supergroup with NWA. Um, yeah, it's like they became a supergroup with not just what they did as a group then what they did you know afterward right. as individuals nobody so, knew it at the time but they ended up being right that's... right it's like it's like it, they weren't like 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 crosby stills nash and young or the traveling Wilburys, where you know it was like a bunch of guys who came together like who were already famous and came together and like you know did stuff as a group you know it's like they all just like you know were a group and then they became arguably more famous once they went their separate ways it's like most groups that doesn't really happen. Like the Beatles, they all had successful solo careers, but they were never as famous as when they were together. So yeah, and it is. And if you're talking about the Beastie Boys, like when License the Ill came out, that is definitely if you're gonna say you could see the punk aspect, that would be the album that you could say that because that was very heavily because of the time frame in which that that album came out because that was what early mid '80s, I think. If I remember, it might have been mid '80s, because it was yeah. the same. Mid yeah, because it was the same time that LL dropped his one album, like right around that same time frame. And you can all in, and even with uh, Run DMC too, you can hear that the rock influence in those music. So I can definitely see with License the Ill, you know, Brass Monkey, um, Fight for Your Right, those songs. Paul, Paul had, Revere. Yeah, so they all had that like rock influence in them because a lot of the music that a lot of the rap music that was coming out at the time had that influence in it in you know with the the beats and stuff like that they were heavy drum beats they had like that they one song called girls that was just random on that yeah. album <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was good i don't know i like i almost like every song on that album that i do album, too me was really That's... really good <laughs> What about you, Jeremy? What what did you who who's influential? Oh no, I'm saving mine for last. Oh, the good old Theo. You're next. <laughs> oh, I get to go now. Yes. Lord have mercy, it's about damn time. No way. Oh, we know who he's picking. Oh. No. <laughs> <clears throat> um, my mine is kind of a little bit uh two different, two different people. So growing up in my house, my parents listened to a lot of old music. My dad listened to Elvis and, um. Uh, uh, what's her name? Um, last name's the same as uh, uh, Patty Klein, some country, Pat- Patsy, Patsy Klein. Klein, yeah. Um, um, 
trying to think of some other ones. Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers. Um, my parents listened to some rock too. So um, my dad used to play Jimi Hendrix records. So Jimi Hendrix and Run DMC were kind of my two people that I listened to on a regular basis, you know, when I was growing up. One, my dad listened to Jimi Hendrix. So I listened to that a lot. I just, um, I'm a big fan of the guitar. Uh, don't care what version guitar it is. I like all the different sounds the guitar makes uh, for all the different types of music and things you can do with it. Uh, just a very uh, instrument that's a very soothing sound or just a really cool sound for me um, in general. So just the way he played, which I still think is one of the great greatest guitarists of all time. Um, and then, you know, listening to him kind of growing up and then, you know, kind of listening to other music in the 80s. Uh, Run DMC was the other one. They're the ones that kind of really got me starting to, you know, listen to hip hop. Um, I just like their style, like what they did. Um, and they're kind of one of the first uh, first groups to really cross over into the hair band, you know, um, collaboration with Aerosmith that had a really big song and whatnot. But I just love their beat, awesome. love their love their groove, just loved how they their lyrics and all that good stuff. Um, so those were the two, one group and one person. Sorry, I threw two in there, but they're the ones I listened to the most. You know, you know, when I was used to beg my parents, oh, can I, you know, can I have some money? Go, I want to buy the Run DMC tape that just came out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So how old are we? We're talking like, about tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cassette, cassette tapes where you put the pencil in there to turn it to get it to rewind. Yep, yep. People are gonna be like, "What's wrong? How old are these fuckers?" Um, it's, it's 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 tricky. Still, my favorite Run DMC song. So that's my favorite song by them. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I just I I, I I I'm one for me. Like I'll find people who I like. I'll I find a song you know that catches me. Now I'll I'll listen to the whole album, and there are probably some songs on there that aren't that great. But over time, when you listen to them over right. and over again, they kind of grow on you, and you know whatnot. I'm always a try to fan to. Uh, I'm always a fan of trying to listen to every single song on the album, see what's going on with it. But those those are the two that really uh, I listen to the most. Well, yeah, and they were like one of the first rap groups to get sponsored by a. Um, clothing company because adidas sponsored them because they yeah. had to put out that song my adidas and adidas is like oh, fuck jump on that shit <laughs> i mean that's all they were a cool was the thing adidas to wear brand. adidas without any freaking shoelaces in them that became a huge trend you know by because run dmc talked about my adidas adidas jumped on it and sponsored them started giving them clothes and shit like that to wear the, the old school of lore jumpsuits yeah oh my man. god <laughs> I wonder if you could ask Love some it. of the rappers back then in the in the eighties if the if they thought like if they would ever wear that shit again. Like would you yeah. ever wear the velour jump shirt or uh, a hey, LL. Hat? Yeah, LL, you gonna wear the Kangol hat? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, he would probably would. I used to rock a Kangol hat because of him back in the day. Oh yeah. I used to go to Lids to look for Kangol hats. I definitely did. Hell yeah. Shout out to LL for that one. He got me in the Kangol hats. They kind of came back a little bit, but more in the the sense that the bucket hat came yeah. back. I tried yeah, the bucket. Yeah. I tried the bucket hat. It wasn't working for me. <laughs> I like I like the bucket hats. They're cool. I like. Them. My head's not the right shape for those. 
Like, <laughs> I just can't wear them. <laughs> they don't look right. That's because you need to have some hair on the top of your head well, to wear the them hair? properly. Back then, I would, back then I had plenty of hair uh, 20 years ago or 25 or whatever. Uh, freaking jerk. <laughs> uh, I, I would also say, I mean, because you, you mentioned Hendrix, I think, I mean, obviously there's so many musicians who had, like, tragic sudden ends to, to their to their lives mm-hmm. uh you know but you know buddy holly richie valens you know uh patty klein like you mentioned too she yeah. you know, she died in a plane crash um you know so many people like that but i really feel like to me for the type of music that i listen to hendrix is the one that kind of i don't want to say hurts the most because he did three pretty incredible albums with, yeah. you know, the, the Jimi Hendrix experience. Uh, he had kind of like moved on from that and he was like going into like different areas and he did, had recorded so much stuff that like, you know, it has been kind of very like scattershot released and it's been very disorganized and nobody knows what he was really intending. Like people have been trying to guess at it for years and everything, but just to see where he could have gone throughout the seventies would have been, pretty interesting because i mean again he was only 28 when he died um and you know obviously things like change <laughs> in the 70s i mean like obviously you know like somebody like like led zeppelin was kind of dominating the beginning of the 70s but then it's like what would have hendrix done if he was still around in the late 70s when punk and disco started really taking over and everything would he have kept up with those times like mm-hmm. some of the bands were still around because like because like it's like bands in the 60s who were still around like say like when disco came around like the rolling stones and, and the who there was like uh the albums that they released in the late 70s you can see where there's like disco influences you know now mm-hmm. i'm saying that they like outright into disco but where they like tried to like adapt it into their own sound so you really wonder what hendrix would have done and yeah like i mean his guitar playing was just there's really no comparison nobody played the guitar the way hendrix it. so yeah. he, he had he created his own style he had his own style he and his style was again it was just something that nobody else could do you could try to play the guitar like hendrix and you would fail so miserably uh, yeah it just i i just always feel like that's you, you i mean like but like i said i but like buddy holly again he he could have been he's a pretty big like what if well like what would he have done if he had you know, not died because he was ridiculously young when he died too but i i feel like hendrix was more kind of like a unique yeah. talent in that respect well yeah. the fact that hendrix reach essentially if i remember correctly he restrung the guitar <laughs> to be able to play it left-handed because they didn't I make left-handed he, guitars i believe he did yes or he yes, played it upside down one of the two i can't remember but he he was left-handed he so he played the guitar yeah. the wrong way you know because they didn't have it left-handed guitars at that yeah, point he, in time he, he adapted it for himself yeah yeah. yeah, so that that's another crazy thing. Like, who the hell does that? Like, that's just crazy. So, um, my most influential somebody, grouper artist, somebody who decides they're not bound by limitations, and they're gonna they're gonna just like <laughs> say, "Don't tell me what I can't do." You know, I'm yeah, gonna do it. Yeah. So my and my most influential grouper artist is and. Since we're gonna go, since we're all trying to be a little different, I'm gonna be different from all of you, and I'm gonna go with Garth Brooks. <laughs> I feel that Garth Brooks, even if you hate country music, you know who Garth Brooks is. Like 
I can't think yeah. of a person, maybe a younger person, you know, that doesn't know who Garth Brooks is because he's just he changed country music and the fact that he made it popular for not just people that are considered hillbillies to listen to country music and make it enjoyable because he brought it into more of a modern era of country considering where country music was at that time. Uh, a lot of people did kind of put it into the hillbilly category and like, mm. you know, even though you had people like Dolly Parton and you had people like, uh, Alan Jackson there and you had people like Travis Tritt they weren't he was the almost like a almost like a crossover artist when it came to country music you know he brought more people in just kind of like when we talk about wrestling Stone Cold was able to bring more than just you know the he brought the everyday person into it not just the you know the average like the NASCAR fan you know so that's how I kind of view Garth Brooks and I mean, you look at that dude, he comes out with special albums almost all the time. He's still selling concert tickets. Like, he just went on tour before COVID hit, um, and he was adding dates because you couldn't get a fucking ticket to his concert. Like, you, it, it was impossible. Yeah, like, to he get still a ticket. sells out a lot. He sells out, like, in minutes. All it's time. ridiculous. And he hasn't put out an actual brand new album with complete all new songs in probably a fucking decade. <laughs> and it's it's crazy. And so Pat, Pat, apparently only me and you are in trouble if we make a political or wrestling reference. Jeremy did it and didn't get muted, but apparently that was only me and you. That's that right. Are, we're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yep, because you you started it. That's right. <laughs> well, I was um, also trying to just let Jeremy make his point here. I mean, my I rules. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and I and you think, and I want to. I got to make this point about Garth Brooks too, because he released like a concert that went to drive-in theaters because of COVID going on. And that was almost impossible to get tickets to like my wife. She had my phone. She had her phone, her friend who wanted to go had her phone and her boyfriend's phone. And they were all like, they had four phones trying to get into this damn website to buy a ticket. Cause it was, you could buy one ticket and you could have a maximum of six people in your car to go to the drive-in. They're probably like, God damn it, I want that ticket. Away. <laughs> it was crazy. They're like, she's like, can I use your phone? I'm like, uh, sure. She's I was like, what? She's like, I got to I gotta make sure that we get in for this ticket. I'm like, oh, my God, like this is freaking insane. Like it's a drive-in and you're – I mean, granted, it's the closest thing you're probably going to get to a concert this year. So I can understand why there was such mania about it. But that just goes to show you like – how much in how relevant Garth Brooks still is to this day, regardless of putting out new music, regardless of, of anything, he is still that popular amongst not just country music people, but just amongst people in general. Like that's kind of, kind of crazy to me, but you know, it is what it is and it's, it's good for people. So, and the only it's reason I didn't country. get in trouble about talking about wrestling is because I was making a reference to what I was talking about. I didn't just talk about wrestling. Yeah, so but he, boo -boo, he, said, he said no references to political or wrestling. He said if we pulled it in, you did. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I've never been able to get into Garth Brooks. I, I sometimes feel like Garth Brooks is what has made what I kind of refer to as modern country music possible and yes i think modern country music is a 
fucking abomination because because they really can't decide if they're country artists or if they're pop artists. They they really haven't been able to make the to to really try to make that decision. Like I, I have friends, I I have one friend, a former coworker, who constantly will like put Facebook posts out there making fun of somebody like Luke Bryan and. You know, I, I think I caught Luke Bryan on SNL once, and I kind of it's like, well, I, I get where my friend's coming from. Um, but like Garth Brooks to me, like, I, didn't he do that, um, that Chris Gaines thing? Like, when he like he created this like alter ego yes. who was supposed to be a straightforward rock star, and I think nobody really like bought into it and everything. Yeah, that was the one downfall of Garth Brooks's career was trying to do the Chris Chris Gaines thing. That was yeah, I didn't and, understand that at all. <laughs> and and I'm not saying that I dislike Garth Brooks. I really I really just don't listen to him. And like, um, low low places is his song, right? That's his. That was his first big hit. Was Friends in Low Places? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've always enjoyed that song. You know, um, just I, I there was something about his attitude. I think too um just like like the way that he acted the way he carried himself like like pictures i'd always see of him with his like you know like like black and blue checkered shirts and shit and and, and the cowboy hat because of course if you're got to be a male country music artist you got to wear the fucking cowboy hat well, not uh, anymore you know it's just it's just always kind of uh um just i just never really bought into that kind of stuff i mean if I'm listening to, for me, if I'm listening to country music, I mean, I go back more to the roots. I mean, I'm very much, and this probably comes from my dad and everything, but I'm very much, uh, you know, John Cash, the type of guy. So, um, yeah. it's like, you know, like, like the outlaw country, especially with, you know, Willie and Waylon there and everything. So, that's the kind of country music that I like to listen to. I mean, Willie Nelson's Redheaded Stranger to me is one of the greatest albums of all time of any genre, and it's so stripped back. You know, it's, it's like it's not the Nashville sound, you know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I get what you're saying about being modern, but this, it's kind of hard because every genre now has gone modern and commercialized to a certain extent. Like, it's not. Yeah, and that kind of happened uh, late 2000s in regards to that, like, 09, 10, started kind of going that route. Because mm-hmm. the 90s was kind of like the last decade where it kind of was still, you put out what you do, it's going to sell on its own, and then slowly shit started getting commercialized after that, I would say. Yeah, probably yeah. 2006, 07, 08 is when it started. You see in rappers r&b country started even going even more into that modern commercialized stuff that's why unfortunately there's only a handful of people like i truly listen to on a regular basis because the music is just just not there yeah it's unfortunate but so let's move on to our next quick topic and this is going to be this will be a quick hit for us what is your favorite genre and i'll start i'll go i, I kind of have two favorite genres of course I'm a, I'm a big country fan um but i'm also a big rock and roll fan um lo- i've always really enjoyed rock and roll all the way from elvis to the beatles to you know didn't love the 80s hair bands until later but love 90s rock you know 2000s uh you know, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed rock and all different genres of rock. 
Uh, country music is just kind of one genre. It's country music, you know, <laughs> but rock always had multiple genres. So um, I could throw rap in there, but rap was kind of just a certain time frame of rap. Um, I can't say I love rap all the time, you know, every single day. So that would country, uh, country and rock music were my big favorite genres. Theo, for you. <clears throat> Um, this is kind of hard for me. Kind of went back and forth listening to what I listened to as a young kid growing up until now. Um, really not so much a genre anymore because it's been so commercialized where everything is so pop. But mm-hmm. R&B was my, was my favorite um, growing up. Nice. I love the R&B music. I just love that type of music. Yes, it's it's the lovey dovey sensitive, but it gets you know gets you in the panties. So you know, don't don't, don't knock it. You know, a little bit of Jonas. Uh, red light special worked out for me several times. So uh, just, just let you know there. Uh, um, a little one twelve. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Peaches and cream. Um, absolutely. <laughs> but no, R and B. It's just uh, uh, not so much the beat. You know, the sound was always good, but wasn't it wasn't always about the beat about the lyrics and what it was meant and then the meaning of the lyrics and things of that nature. And some of it, you know, was, you know, get in the panties type of lyrics, but Hey, when you're young and you know, a horny dude, you know, that's what happens. But, uh, yeah. R and B overall throughout my existence of listening. Apparently to now W A P is how you get in the panties. W A P. Well, listen, listen, he's bringing up Cardi B. That's what he's trying oh. to do. Oh, okay. Then. So he just made his 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 Cardi B reference. So <laughs> listen, almost we you. were going to talk about it. So naturally, we talked about it. Somebody said it'll come to. up, so I brought yeah, it up intentionally. I, I knew he was going to bring it up intentionally. It, was <laughs> it kind of fits. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, first off, for that to even happen, you have to do something to get the WAP to even start. I just tried so, to. I tried to find R- the best place to fit it in. This this was the place that worked the best. So you need the R&B music and other things to I get that WAP to start. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. Okay, touch that one. Moving on. Oh, the All comment right, he just made. The comment he just made there was uh, ripe for multiple entendres. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, AJ, favorite genre? Dirty old bastards. I mean, it's. It's rap. It's always going to be rap for me, even though it sucks now. It's still, I can just go back and listen to the old stuff. So, I mean, there's there's a couple things now that I like. I like Machine Gun Kelly and I like ASAP Mob. There's a few things I can handle, but most of it I don't. Uh, we can really name two artists. I have no idea who the hell they are. <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly can go eat one. I can't stand that guy. I, for multiple <laughs> we, we reasons, know, I can't stand that guy. Machine Gun Kelly. What, Pat? So we know why AJ likes Machine Gun Kelly. I'd well enlighten me, Pat, because I'd like to know. I think AJ would like to know too. <laughs> you know, he's banging Megan Fox now. Oh, Pat, he's banging Megan Fox. Nice. I, I liked him. Yeah. I went. I saw him in concert like six years ago. So that did, obviously that happened way. But I mean, Kevin Owens did put him through a table. <laughs> that was great when I saw that. Um, yeah, he's I, he's gone more poppy now, but like when he first like came out, his his stuff was like rap, rap. Now like his, but 
I like ASAP Mob. I like ASAP Ferg and ASAP Rocky. Those are my preferred people that I would listen to now. So, and and I'm glad you said you don't really like, even though rap is you know crappy right now, and that's why I don't really listen to rap because when you try to tell me Drake is a rapper, you're fucking kidding me, right? I, like, <laughs> Drake's a rapper. He's a pop. At times. He's a pop. At He's times. He's a pop at times that's pretty. Yeah. And some see, of his older stuff is is better than like he's more worried about the commercialized part of it now. And see, there's and there's the problem with me for rap right now because. If you're going to be rap, you, you're rap. And there's a certain way that Excuse rap me. music is put together. It's presented. And I, I, I just don't think rap is, is really rap anymore. It's something else. Like, it's, a, it's evolved. And it's not, in my opinion, has not evolved into something very good to listen to. I mean, at, that's... At so, I, I like rap mostly. I, I, do like, I do like some R&B. So, I'm not... That's not quite with Joe, but <laughs> he didn't use it I to think, get in the panties. I think, well, I think for me, sometimes more new edition works getting in the panties. So for, for whatever works for you, Joe, that's what worked for me. And hey, I man, also, I, we can go on. <laughs> Shit. I, it's not really a genre, but anything like anything I heard on one tree Hill, I kind of like, like a lot of the music from that so like i got into jimmy jimmy world and tyler hilton and and gavin DeGraw, all the guys i watched on one tree hill like i got into a lot of that stuff because of that show well and a lot of that music is actually some of it's more on the pop end of things but some of it was considered alternative rock so to say not really true alternative but it's they they fitted into that so tv genre music if you want to go that route if you want to give it one, like I like Jimmy, I've seen Jimmy World several times, so I mean, I, I I'll go see them any chance I get. So I've yeah. even watched their little. He does those little like concerts on, on like online, and I've watched some of that stuff. Yeah, cool. All right, Darth Pat, favorite genre. Dun 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 dun. Well, I've always really gone for. You know, teeny bopper pop. Uh, <laughs> really? You know, uh, like, for some reason, I feel like this is a farce. It <laughs> 100% is a farce. When I heard that new Taylor Swift album was dropping there like a week or two, <laughs> I just was so excited. Pat, you're not like even convincing at all. So you probably should just go on to the I'm real answer. <laughs> I, I I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm speaking so deadpan. Right. <laughs> Wait, I think I see a new kid in the block poster just magically starting to appear on his wall. <laughs> we don't call them new kids on the block. It's NKOTB. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> 60s, 70s classic rock, and you know, like really more like early 70s classic rock. I mean, by late 70s, things started changing. You know, I was never a disco person, never really much of a punk person, though I do like, you know, the song here or there by, you know, like the like the punk bands who, you know, became big at that time. Um, and then kind of skipping over an entire decade, then really the other one was, you know, like early to mid 90s. Yeah, see, you guys talk about alt rock there, and I've always had an issue with that term because it's like 
who is alt rock, who isn't alt rock, especially if you know, like you started from you know, like say from Nirvana on, because it almost feels like any band that was a rock band that started from that time period was just automatically labeled alternative because it wasn't like what had come before. So I, the, the alternative rock label to me is one that I've always felt needs like some mm -hmm. tightening, like, you know, some, like some better, some better defining, but with the bands that I'm thinking of, there are like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, yeah, mm -hmm. Smashing Pumpkins, you know, to an extent, you know, a few others here and there. Uh, you know, those those are the ones that I would say that I go for more most. You know, it's like current music for me is like what what is it? You know, just I think the newest albums I bought were like the most recent albums by Pearl Jam released one earlier this year. Um Coldplay released one at the end of last year, which you know, to me Coldplay's last couple albums have just they've been going they've been going a little they've been going downhill for me. Um, but I think the other, like the only other, like newest albums I bought recently were like the most recent albums from Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. So you know they're still putting out, they're, they're still putting albums out. I'll still buy them. You know they're enjoyable yeah. enough and everything. So, uh, but I just, you know, I just can't get into a lot of real else current music. I, I, what I, something I've been doing a lot over the last like year and a half or so has been going back and kind of like filling in gaps, like. I bought like the Oasis albums that I had never listened to before. And I bought like all the Pearl Jam albums I had never listened to before. And I was like kind of kicking myself for having stopped listening to Pearl Jam for a while. Um, one of the reasons that I stopped listening to Pearl Jam was because I thought that goddamn Matchbox 20 song was Pearl Jam in the, uh, in the late 90s there. And, it, and, it, and it, 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 it turned me off of them. I'm like, you know, oh God, this song shit. What the fuck were they thinking? You know? Uh, so. <laughs> So yeah, but I like um, I've also been getting uh, into uh, a lot of uh, David Bowie stuff, but mostly his stuff from this, the seventies. So, um, yeah, yeah, good. All right, so real quick public service announcement: we want to thank everybody that is watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We greatly appreciate you guys listening in, tuning in, watching us. Um, we hope you're being entertained by this episode and all the episodes that came before this. Uh, if you are catching us on YouTube, of course, make sure you are giving us a like. Give us a big thumbs up. Um, make sure you're turning on the notifications. Uh, subscribing to our channel so you never miss an episode. Leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you guys think. And if you are catching us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, make sure you're giving us a uh, rating so we can jump up there on the charts so more people like yourself can find us, listen to us, and enjoy us just like you are. And as always, make sure you tune in to the end of our show to catch the Mount Rushmore so you can find out what we're talking about and who is on, whose face or what will be on Mount Rushmore. And you can also find us now on Twitter at 4, the number 4, guys with a Z, roundtable. All right, jumping into our next topic, let's make this a uh, kind of a quick hit. Um, we want to—I want to know what you think the best decade of music is, in just a brief description of why you think that. Okay, so AJ, best decade and why? Uh, I'm gonna say the '90s. Okay, so, because I—that's when I feel like that's when rap like really took off the <clears throat> most. It, it was mm -hmm. there in the 80s, but for me, 
because I started like really listening to it at the beginning, mm-hmm. like the really late '80s and the beginning of the '90s. That's pretty much all I was listening to at that point. So I'm gonna. There are there are other like like genres, I guess, of music. Maybe I listened to a little bit in the '90s, mm-hmm. but it was mostly because I like rap. Right. That's the genre. That's the 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 time period for me that I liked the best because that's when it kind of took off and. I don't know if it was the music quality might have been better between 2000 and 2010 in that decade, mm-hmm. but I still like the nineties, the best for my genre yeah. of music that I listen to. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Darth Pat favorite decade and why? Well, it's probably not an, un, an uncommon uh, opinion, but I would say the sixties, okay. uh, I, I just felt like it, it, it was the perfect storm in a lot of ways where you had like the most change, especially from like where you were, say like from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade in a sense that there was still like a lot of purity to it. Like there wasn't a lot of electronica to it. Like, you know, where people were like punching, just punching buttons on a mixing board and like, you know, like the sound would be there. Like they actually had to still like create the sound. They were still, creating the technology the technology was changing uh, and sometimes couldn't keep up with the way that the artists were experimenting and stuff like that and like the recording technology and shit like that but also i think just what was going on in the world and society at the time and there was a lot of music that just like really really reflected that not of course that that hasn't happened since then but i you know vietnam of course was such a mm-hmm. you know and not just such a like life, a life event, but a long event too. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was just there was pretty much always something to say about it. And I, I also feel like there was less corporatism at the time. I mean, obviously, you were only going to be able to make music if you were selling records and everything. But I, I really still feel like the artists maybe had you know, a, a bit more control over it than I sense that they do now. And also, I think it was because there was just, like, less commercialization in that. Right. You don't see these guys, like, when they're making a record out there doing, like, 18 product placements to help promote their album and shit like that. <laughs> I, that, that, that that's, my, that's one of my biggest arguments with music today and really, well, really the last 20 years or so, too. But, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Six, uh, hey, I like the 66. is a great, good year. Uh, six, I'd say... A good decade, not a good year, a good decade. Um, Theo, favorite decade and why? Um, so I'm with AJ on this one. Uh, the 90s, I believe, is the best the best decade. Uh, multiple reasons why, because there was a lot that went on in that decade. Um, you know, that's when rap took off. Uh, Pat mentioned alternative music, but I like the grunge part of it. I kind of feel Nirvana was more grunge, um, mm-hmm. but... Each is their own with that. Uh, th- that Those were very popular in the beginning part of the 90s. Um, the other thing about 90s, techno music took off. There was a lot of techno music going on. Um, DJing, DJing was starting to take off in the 90s. Um, there was a lot of influence from outside the U.S. as far as music. Like Latin music was starting to take off mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, then we had the pop was taken off with the boy bands. You know, in sync, 98 degrees, all them. If you like them or you don't, you know, you got to take, take, take them into effect. 
all those boy bands made oh, yeah. the music. They were in the top charts. They got did. Justin Timberlake out of NSYNC. You know, some of them went solo, had great careers. Um, and then I like Justin know, Timberlake, the, so yeah, so do I. Um, then on the R and B side, uh, not just so much like you know, Boys and Men was probably to me the best R and B group of the whole nineties. Um, then um, you know. The other thing is the female artists really came into their own in the 90s. You know, you had the Fugees, and you get Lauryn Hill out of the Fugees. Um, you get Little Kim. Um, you get Missy Elliott, Salt and Pepper. Um, God. Um, Peppa. Um, TLC, uh, TLC. You know, there's. Shut up, <laughs> Patrick. That's the way um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, the the. The female artists really grew a lot in the 90s from having their groups, SWV, you know, um, and whatnot to becoming singles and coming into, you know, um, singles artists. Madonna was still running strong. <laughs> Gotta give it to Madonna. She was still killing it. You know, Whitney Houston was still doing her thing, too, for that time period. But that, for me, is why I just feel the 90s was so far the, the best decade because there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff grew made money in the 90s and other stuff came out of it at the same time yeah and for me i i agree with aj and 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 theo on this one the 90s and i would almost start my decade i know it's not a true decade period but i would almost start like 93 ish to 2003 for me i know that's not a true decade but you know that 10 years for me was like the best because you had one of my favorite groups. They came, they were up and coming, making a big noise in the rock in the rock scene. Uh, rap music was huge in my life at that point in time. Even though my dad, <laughs> my dad hated rap music, he's like, "Oh, turn that shit off in my house, man." You know, <laughs> two live I... crew, baby, two live crew, man. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get my hands on that shit. Bones <laughs> in harmony. <laughs> so it was just so much good music came out in those 10 years for me that I still to this day I will go back and listen to any 90 any 90s music in that those like couple first years of the 2000s and and pop that on anytime and I can go back and listen to it and just enjoy it it never gets old to me to listen to that music you know, where some other time periods, it's like, okay, there's a good song here from an artist, a good song here from an artist. Like, it's pick and choose. You don't get, like, continuously artists yeah. putting out good music all the time. Like, they're – I mean, don't get me wrong. Every decade has and every genre has their one-hit wonders, but it felt like the 90s – that 90s period to the, to the early, very early 2000s, like, people just kept on putting out good stuff all the time. Like, there was yeah. the stinker – album where like ooh one song was off you get three songs off an album that were radio out that they would play on the radio and then you go by the album was like oh my god this album's got like five good six good songs on out of ten songs you know or even ten songs out of ten it was like crazy well yeah I, so, actually i think that uh i think all eyes on me by tupac is the best rap album ever and that came out in that in that time period so yeah that would probably it, it, you know my favorite rap album of all time i think he had eight hits off that fucking album <laughs> yeah i have that one to the day to this day even though i don't pop cds in any anymore you know i still have every single cd i ever bought so do i 
I just <laughs> I have I just downloaded them onto iTunes and put them on my phone, you know. <laughs> so maybe not maybe maybe not pat on this real quick, but Joe, Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Oh, I'm Tupac for sure. Jeremy? Yeah, he'll he's in my top three, but he's not my number one. See, and that and that's tough for me because I really could go right down the middle on them. Like I'm almost like right down the middle because I love Biggie and I love Tupac. Like I could listen to them interchangeably because they were so different. They were different sounds. You know, there was there was a definitive West Coast sound at the time with Tupac and there was a definitive East Coast sound with Biggie. Like they were very different, but they were in my opinion, they were just equally good and I could I, I just I, I can't choose between those two. They were too good at, at that Biggie, time. Biggie might be is probably in my top five. Tupac's in my top two. So. Yeah. So, so, which group did Tupac start with before he became a solo artist? Oh what, my God, Digital I Underground. Digital Good. Underground. Glad you knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Upset yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because he doesn't really. He didn't have a big role in it. It was a very small role. Here, he, here's my reason why I put Biggie above Tupac. I like Tupac a lot. He was a very good storyteller. But I think with the rapping part, Biggie was far more superior as a freestyle rap artist than Tupac was in regards to that. I can see. Yeah, that. we're gonna not that, we're gonna not, not, we're... That, too, not, not that Tupac couldn't hold his own, because I've seen stuff where he's hold his own, but I've seen Biggie tear some people. See, we're gonna but this is going to segue into the next thing we're talking about, and you obviously care more about the lyrics, whereas I care more about the beats. So that's what it's, it comes down to with me. So, all right. So, as our fans now know, our listeners know, <laughs> um, we are talking about the next t- topic is what does draw you in more to a song, any kind of song? Is it lyrics? Is it beats? Uh, is it more than that? You know, is it just the artist? And you're just like, I just love this artist. I don't care what they put out. I'm just going to fucking listen to it all, you know. Um, so, Mr. Darth Pat, start us off with that. Uh, you know, it's it's not the easiest question to answer, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, I can tell you that when I'm listening to something for the first time now, it's got to hook me musically first. Okay. And one of the reasons I would say for that is because it's very easy to misunderstand lyrics, depending upon the way people are singing or, or rapping for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really got to have like a, like some kind of a musical hook to really, you know, make me want to like say, go back to listen to it a second time to make sure like I, like I got all the words and everything because you know, just like I'll, I'll go back to the Beatles as an example because it's it's a pretty good example. Um, there's the line in "I want to hold your hand," you know, like in like the bridge, you know, where you know, like they sing, like you know, and and when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love I can't hide. I can't hide. I can't hide. The way they sang that song, it took me until I was probably in my mid twenties and had been like obsessively listening to the Beatles for four or five years by that point, before I finally realized that they were singing "I Can't Hide" as opposed to "I Get High." <laughs> because if you, go back, if you go back and you listen to that song, you you tell me they're not singing "I Get High" at that point, and and and. and 
and I was I was like uh, vindicated, I guess, when I was reading a book some years after that, where even Bob Dylan told one of the Beatles that he thought they were singing "I Get High" at that point. <laughs> Oh, that would have been more in reference to the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band album. <laughs> they weren't queer. Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't smoking <laughs> when they when they did I Want to Hold Your Hand. They were smoking marijuana probably about a year later. But anyway, <laughs> so so but like it's just very easy to misunderstand lyrics because oh, yeah. of like the way people sing. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, it doesn't matter what country they come from. You know, like, you know, it's just it's very, very easy to misunderstand lyrics. So. It's 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 something's really got to hook me musically first. Mm-hmm. It's, there's just not a lot of songs that are meant to hook you with their lyrics. There are some, and you kind of know what those are right away. Like say John Lennon's "Imagine," like you know the, that's a song where it's like right away you have like you know the words are meant to to catch your attention first. But more so, music comes first, and then you kind of go from there. All right, AJ, since you alluded to it. You are. I, I definitely am, am the beat person for sure. It, it's it's like I, I have Eminem written down as somebody lyrically who is pretty good, who I may pay attention to his lyrics more than mm-hmm. other people. I do think Joe is probably right about his Biggie Tupac reference, but I like Tupac's sound way more than I liked his lyrics. So it's, it's funny because the first person I really remember listening to – so – this is not going to surprise you guys at all when I say this. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Before I even get into that, I don't like any of the music my parents like because I didn't want to. That's probably why I like rap because it's completely different from everything they did. So okay. I don't. I wanted to be my own person for for a you know a young age. I did not want to listen to what my parents listened to. I wanted to be my own person probably when I was five. It probably started. So well, I don't really like all that trend knowing you for this long. So yeah, I don't, we get it. <laughs> I don't like a lot of the stuff that my parents listen to. I, I tried to get myself away from it as quick as I could. So the first person I, what Pat? I'm shocked to hear that. The, <laughs> super shocked. The, the first person I really listened to that I liked was Michael Jackson. So thriller is the first album I ever owned that I paid for myself. So he was kind of the segue for me, probably. I, I really liked Michael Jackson. I still like a lot of his stuff to this day. Oh, absolutely. So, um, but then that's, but it was the music for me, even with him. It was even the, the stuff then. So then it kind of, you know, I, I can name drop all kinds of, you know, groups that I liked. I liked House of Pain because I liked the beats. Wu-Tang Clan is probably the best example I can give of, it's all about the beats for them. I've, I own like 20 something albums by all the different members of Wu Tang. Oh, and nice. the RZA was my, probably the best producer in my opinion of rap music I've ever been dealt with. Or, you know, I, there was so much stuff that came out that like you just said, Schnikes, you didn't even know there was that many <laughs> different rap albums for all the guys in that group. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't realize how many. I It doesn't surprise me there's, there's that many because there was nine members of that group, you know. <laughs> so. And they all, I mean, that, because me and you went and saw them in concert, they all had their posses with them too. Yes. So when we, when we went to see Wu-Tang in concert, they all performed individually with their posses. Then they all kind of performed together at the end. 
And when me and Jeremy went to see them, old, old Dirty Bastard died the next day. Yeah, and we were all like, damn it, old Dirty Bastard didn't show up again, that fucker. And then we learned he died, and we're like, oh shit, no wonder he wasn't there. Like, we felt like assholes. Like, So they, 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 there's a lot of thing there with me and the beats. Wu-Tang. Mm. I liked Wu-Tang. I still hear stuff. On serious radio, I'll be like, oh, shit, I remember when that song came out, like, and their beats were very unique. Mm-hmm. Like, I could hear a song and be like, that's Wu-Tang. Uh, 3-6 Mafia was another group that they had a very distinct style. If I heard something, I knew it was them. I liked them a lot, too. But it was all about the beats and the bass. I'm still 20, and I still have my speakers in my trunk for my bass. <laughs> and I'm probably going to have that forever. So I can't even understand half the lyrics because all you hear is the bass. So as long as your trunk does go. Burr, 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 I don't know burr, if it does because I'm always in it. <laughs> that that's when you know somebody's got either a really shitty car with a lot of bass, or they've got too much bass and it's actually jolting their car loose. I mean, they're, they're it's not title next. That's why. There, there was, it, I know what Joe's saying. There's a girl that work that lives here. One day I was out, we came home and she's like, Oh, you have a really nice system in your car. So I'm like, clearly she could hear me from coming out the building. Well, when you lived here in Pennsylvania, I never heard any trunk rattling. So it definitely wasn't so bad that it was shaking your car. I don't have, an, I don't have an overabundance of it. It's just two, two tens or two twelve. So I don't have way too much stuff in there and it's not set up right you know it's it's i have just enough probably so all right so for me i am you gotta catch me at the beginning of the song because you gotta you at least gotta interest me with a with the with the music portion but once i hear the beginning of the song i'm like okay let me hear what this person's gonna say. I gotta hear lyrics. Like you gotta tell me something. Like you gotta you gotta hook me with a good. You gotta get me with a good hook. You've gotta tell me kind of a story, something. And that's what I miss about rap anymore. Like when I really got into rap music, like rap told stories. Like if you didn't live in, you know, the ghettos in you know in the bronx or brooklyn or you didn't live in out out in la in compton if you listen to those artists you got an idea of what the hell they were going through because they were telling you about life living in those areas and you got the stories i mean grandmaster flash and the furious and you had and you had what was it grandmaster flash you had the furious five you know they they told you stories about what the hell was going on and you know rock music kind of does that too a different kind of story you know but they music in my in my opinion really and that's why i like lyrics so much because i want to hear a story i want you to tell me something good i want you to tell me something horrible if i'm feeling if i'm having a bad day i want to hear something you know uh, the world's fucking ending and da, 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 da. you know like music really can alter your mood you know if, if you think about it that way and that's where lyrics really come into play because the lyrics should play off the music end of the of the song like if you're i got an upbeat song your song should be your lyrics should be upbeat they should make you want to feel good about yourself they should make you want to dance um you know if you're having a bad day the the mood of the music should be down and 
you know, you should be able to find that low key song and hear lyrics that kind of make you feel sad, even if even you know because of whatever you're going through. And, and you know, R and B still has that to a point. Um, I feel R and B is kind of more sexualized now, even more than what it has been in years past. See, they they really push the boundaries of what they try and get away with with different wording to mean different things and stuff like I mean, that. We got cake on the beach, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they just there's I don't know. It's it's that like hook me with the music to begin with, but you better tell me something within the next. 20 seconds to really keep me interested i'm turning your song off it's just the way it works for me like if i could if i wasn't if the lyrics weren't interesting even if the beat was really good like because there's some good wu-tang songs i i love wu-tang but there's some wu-tang songs that i can't get into what they're saying so i can't stay on i i can't i i past the song and I, or I don't put it on, on my list of plays, you know, on my playlist. And, and it's unfortunate because it's a really good beat, but uh, there, that song isn't saying anything to me that I can either relate to, or I can get into to, to keep my interest. And it, and it happens in all kinds of different genres that I listen to, because I listen to so much different stuff uh, over my lifetime. The only genre of music that I don't listen to is like classical music. I could, I could never listen to that crap. Like I'm, I'm like, this is like, there's one time for this, and that's if you're going to the opera or some kind of shit like that. You know, I'm not listening to Beethoven. I'm not listening to Bach or any kind of stuff like that, unless you want to put me to sleep. Because if you want to put me to sleep, shit. I'm gonna. That's the perfect music to do it. I will fall asleep. Fuck that shit. I, I agree with you, Jeremy. Fuck that shit. But you know, enough. No offense to you, Darth Pat. If you enjoy no, that music, you, no, no, no. I'm just, sorry. You use you use the word crap and shit to describe classical music. <laughs> no apology will be accepted. Move on. <laughs> oh wow! Fart on you. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Theo, up to you. Uh, Lyrics <laughs> or beats? Oh shit. Um, I am beats first. Lyrics second. I will listen to the beat. If your beat's good, I will listen to the lyric. And if your lyric catches me, then you got me. If not, then, you know, your beat really doesn't mean too much to me. Unless I find the instrumental of your beat, and I can play that in my car. Back in the day, I would do that. But uh, no, it, it's beats first, but then the lyrics. Like, um, I'm, I'm very big into the lyrics as well. Um, but it has to be both. It can't be. It can't be. This, it can't be just lyrics and the beat shit. Because then I'm just not going to. I'm not really going to listen to it unless you're doing some like MTV unplugged crap on a guitar and you want to tell me, you know, sing me your lyrics. Then maybe I'll do it, you know. And I don't want to hear about you singing about your rims. I don't want to hear you rapping about a water bottle or you know talking about a fucking red solo cup. That means absolutely <laughs> shit to me in regards to music. Like what the fuck is that? I, I can't. I, I can't like what I listen to like now, like some of it, I have Sirius XM. I go to a station that plays um, it's uh, Sirius XM fly. I, yeah. I, it's that's all, my favorite station. It's all nineties hip hop, rap, R and B music for the whole nineties. And then up to like 2000. 2001. It's, two, yeah. It's through 2005 or six, I think. So they played the early two thousands in regards to it. I listen to that and there's like, a couple other channels but it's that time frame where 
everything everybody was putting out was pretty much good shit. Um, so, yeah, it's beat first, lyric second, but I'm really huge into the lyrics. Yeah, no, that's and and it's just you know I know Pat was on a different level with different mindset with us in the decades, but. It, it just kind of goes back to that, like you were just saying with the, the fly on Sirius XM. There's just was so much good music. I mean, so many good bands and rock came out at that time. So many good artists in the rap game came out. So many good R&B. artists in R&B. So many good artists in, in country, if you were listening to country at that time. Um, there wasn't really a genre that I can think of that didn't have good artists coming out at that point in time. You know, that didn't do something good. Even if they were a one-hit wonder, their one-hit wonder song is still one of those songs that gets played today. You know, it's it's just, you know, it's it's just crazy to think. Like the and... Macarena. <laughs> the okay, besides that baby. song, that song should really not be played anywhere. <laughs> Get some Ice Ice Baby going on. Yes. I, I mean, come on, Ice Ice Baby. That song is still getting played. Like, come on, like it's just like in almost you. Almost anybody I know that grew up at that time frame knows all the damn words to that song, too. Well, the second know, it comes on, I'm like, oh, sweet, my jam. I got, you know, I'm one of those people like, oh, shit, it's my jam. Like, <laughs> you, you know what the problem with the Macarena is? Is that anybody who's our age heard it enough that even if we never, like, bought it or anything, but we just heard it enough that as soon as you mentioned it, literally all of us were hearing it playing in our head, I'm sure. That Mambo number five. Oh. Uh, you know what's funny about that song? When that song came out, we, me and my friends were like, all right, what's all the girls' names in that song? All right, how many girls have we dated with the same names in that song? Like, we were like, all right, nope, haven't dated a girl named that. Oh, dated one with that name, that name, and that name. All right, you know, we had no competition in regards to it. it was so stupid. Unfortunately, my my least favorite female name is in that song, so I I, I tend to stay away from that song completely now. So Lisa, Trina, Angela. Hey, um... The, hers na- her name, who shall not be said, is that yeah, it? Yes, that would be it. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> I, I have a real, real quick funny story about Mama Number 5. So my freshman year at Notre Dame was 1999-2000. There was a guy who I was referred to as my pseudo-roommate because he got along with my roommate better than I did, and he didn't get along with his own roommate. So he pretty much spent most all of his time in our room. And he was like an army brat. So like he had come from like a... Like, like a base in Germany, I think, like the uh, like the school year, I guess you would say, before. And that song was already like a big hit in Germany at the time. So he like brought it with him and he played it fucking endlessly. I remember there was one night where he came into our <laughs> room like hilarious. drunk, like drunk at like 2 a.m. and he started blasting it when I was trying to sleep. I was ready to get out of the bed and kick his ass. But so he's written a song, which I've never heard before and I think is a piece of shit. And I always thought the song was a piece of shit. And then, like, six months into the school year, all of a sudden the song's playing everywhere on the fucking American radio, and now it became a big hit. I think the first time I after heard on the American radio, I think I went to him and I said, you son of a bitch, you brought this fucking song with you. <laughs> but yeah, it was crazy popular. I got tired of hearing it after a while. Well, hey. Then, I think I was tired after the first or second time. Well, yeah, that guy was the definition of a one-hit wonder. I think it's not very hard to see why. I mean, and then we had... It's really nothing to that song when you think about it. And then we have the infamous Who Let the Dogs Out song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. That was another one. 
it's terrible. Yeah. About like, yeah, well, you know, you know, what's a song that's on that same level in terms of being like kind of like a one-hit wonder, a song that got played endlessly, and like everybody knows what it is. Whoop! There it is. Mm-hmm. I like that song though. So yeah, so do I. I mean, that, song me, that song for me was a little bit. Weird. I mean, I don't know. I'm indifferent on it. Then, then all those, and then obviously, like it's it survived by being played at you know sporting events for years. But yeah. it's chop jams, baby. <laughs> I remember those CDs too. Those were hell classic. yeah. ESPN actually did a thing a couple weeks ago where they like listed the top ten like songs that get played at sporting events and whoop there it is was on that list oh not so, surprised oh yeah and then you have also you have the great tootsie roll by the 69 boys <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. make that tootsie roll the tootsie roll <laughs> so oh, i can so at my first i'll tell you guys this real quick about my at my first wedding i i specifically told the dj there were certain songs he was not allowed to play Mm-hmm. And what? Spoil the story. Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm trying to spoil the story. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And <laughs> thanks. I specifically, I mean, I live in Ohio, so I specifically told him not to play "Who Let the Dogs Out." So <laughs> all of a sudden, that song comes on because somebody requested it, and because of where I live, all these idiots associated that ta- that song with the fucking clowns. So they started barking like during the song, like they're oh like the clowns God. fans got all excited, like because they played that song. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Like, look at all these idiots barking like dogs to this terrible song. They were legit yeah, had, barking to that song. That's I had some songs that were not allowed to be played at my wedding. And because I didn't want to do the chicken dance. Um, oh, fuck that, no. <laughs> that was a song that was not allowed to play. Uh, there was one other song that I didn't want to get to play, but I didn't have a say in it, and that was uh, "By the Dashboard Lights" by Meatloaf. Um, Paradise because, by Dashboard. Yeah, because my wife's family has this whole thing that they do. Her dad's side of the family that they do. So there was no way I was not going to get that song played. But I do, I do not like that song by any. By any means, I'm like, oh my god, like really, got to do that song right that now. Was, like, come on. When I got married the first time, that song was like hot then too, so that's why it was on the list because I was like, there is a really high chance this song could get played. So I was trying to make sure that didn't happen. Um, I mean, it's you know the the funny the the funny running joke between me and Nicole now about our wedding is. I still mess with her because she's always like, I'm like, yeah, everybody liked my music better than hers. And she's like, yeah, Matt, you're right. The dance floor was way more full when your music was playing than mine. (laughs) So she had to concede that to me that my, and I was like, I did say everybody was probably a little bit drunker, drunker (laughs) at that point by the time my music came on. So, but we, that's like the joke between us is that I was like, oh, look, my music, everybody liked my music better. And she's like, yeah, that is true. Well, I, I think at your wedding, the, the music that she enjoys is very more, it's much more of a selective crowd where yeah. the music you're playing was that you enjoy more is more radio, more, well, I don't want to say, I shouldn't say more radio, but is much more enjoyed by a wider group of people so it's just easier to get a people out on the dance floor uh for that because she was her music if i remember correctly was more like boy bandish 
uh, stuff like that. Yes, it was. Just, you know, it definitely was. You know, so that 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 is like my wife loved it. Like she loved all that. She's like, oh, this is great. You know, because <laughs> she's a as big soon as as person. soon as it changed over, though, everything changed. Like like <laughs> even some of like Nicole's sister's friends were like waiting. Like Nicole even said they're waiting. And as soon as the first rap song we played was Bodak Yell by Cardi B. And as soon as that song came on, all of a sudden, here comes a bunch of people out on the dance floor. So, and I knew before the wedding, I knew that House of Pain, Jump Around, I knew everybody would be out there for that. I specifically put that on there because I knew that would draw a crowd because it always does. Yeah, that's that's like, that's a party song. <laughs> that's for sure. That's That's a wedding party song. Except for Darth Pat, everybody else was out there just about. I wasn't. Oh, you weren't, Joe. Okay. I won't. I, I'm not, I, I won't go. I won't do that song unless I'm drunk. I'm not. A, I'm not a believer in the uh, mosh pit type. Uh, you do. You do exert a lot of energy when that song's on. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, whether Jeremy, it's on purpose or by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Jeremy, as far as not liking uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, uh, let me just suggest that you sleep on it. <laughs> that's terrible that's a terrible I am master of bad jokes so so let's uh let's segue into something here because I think someone else has a stumper for us this yes. week our stumper question of the week by Darth okay so we all know that there's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which the Sex Pistols once famously referred to as a piss stain, even though they were inducted. <laughs> and didn't show up. No, they did not show up. Um, they're not the only ones. There have been plenty of people who haven't shown up uh, for their induction. Uh, you know, Paul Rose. Paul, Paul McCartney, yeah. Axel Rose wasn't there for when Guns N' Roses went in. Paul McCartney didn't show up for when the Beatles went in. Uh, most of Radiohead didn't show up for when they went in. I only think only like two or three of them did. Uh, but my question revolves around people who have been inducted multiple times. Oh. There have been a total of, I just lost my count here, it's either 22 or 23 artists who have been inducted more than once into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That includes all four members of the Beatles, if you get technical, but that's I'm not going to give the whole explanation. It's, 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 it's irrelevant. Right. Uh, also, and it also includes all the members of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. It includes Michael Jackson, Rod Stewart, and Stevie Nicks, who's the only female to be inducted twice. But there is one person who has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Three times. I know this. Can you name that person? I don't. Three times? Three Which separate means they, times. It's, so that, it almost means that they would have had to go go in as like a solo act, a group and act, part of and almost like a producer or some shit like that. No, because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is pretty much strictly for, uh, I mean, like, they do have, like, like non-performer categories, but this would this is a performer. Okay, so they went in three times as a performer. Yes. Wow. Oh, Jesus. So, damn. I don't even know what categories the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame has to be able to think about that, because it's not just, like... Uh, There's you... categories in, in, in the performer sense. Like, they just induct, you know artists don't yeah. don't think about it as the fact of what categories it is think about the artist itself Sheesh. 
Oh man, that was. I know this because I listen. I've listened to this person as well. Okay, give me just give me one hint that might that I would possibly know. I, um, they're very good on the guitar. Very good yeah. on the guitar. Okay, well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really couldn't think of a great. Yeah, it's kind, of, so. it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard with that one. He's he's. It's a he. He's very good on the guitar. Yeah, I, I I'm thinking it's probably somebody in the '70s, but you I would have no idea. Yeah. You did play in the '70s. Yeah, I would have no idea yeah, I, unless it was. Yeah, no. I was thinking of somebody from Aerosmith, though. I can't think of his name from Aerosmith, but I'm nah. sure it's not him. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's I'm bewildered by that. All right. See you. Yeah. This person was inducted back-to-back years in the 90s. In 1992, he was inducted for beating the group, the, am I saying it right, the Yardbirds? Is that how you say yeah. it right? Yep. In, 1990, in 1993, he was inducted with the group Cream. And then 2000 or 2001? 2000. 2000, he was inducted as a sole artist, and his name was Eric Clapton. Shit. Wow. When you said the Yardbirds, I know who the Yardbirds are, and I know who Cream is, but I did not put Eric Clapton in those. I completely forgot, because all I think about is his damn solo career. Yeah, see, and, and the funny thing is, is that Clapton left the Yardbirds because he thought their sound was becoming too popish, and that's when yeah. he went. And that's when he went and formed Cream with Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker. Now, the funny thing is, too, two of the other multiple-time inductees. Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page are also in as members of the Yardbirds. Jeff Beck's <laughs> two reductions as, as a Yardbird and for his solo career, Jimmy Page is in as both a member of the Yardbirds and a member of Led Zeppelin. So yeah, they, that's crazy. Though, if I recall correctly, the three of them, if if they were ever in the Yardbirds at the same time, it was like very briefly because they all basically were like the lead guitarist and Led Zeppelin kind of kind of came out of the Yardbirds dissolving because like everybody else was like quitting the band and Jimmy Page was like the only person left and they had like a contract that they had to fulfill so he went and like recruited new members and then they just created a whole new band which became Led Zeppelin so it's, a, it's an interesting story and in, in the annals of rock and roll if you will yeah alright so that brings us to Mount Rushmore hang on, oh, okay. hang on. I want to tell the the quick story about when I, I already told the story about going to a concert with you. I did go to one with Theo. Uh, we went to see uh, Eminem and 50 Cent baby. and Little John and the East Side Boys and the scariest city around there, Camden, New Jersey. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> we, we parked in this just fucking rundown building parking lot like it was it was i'm glad joe was with me that night because it was kind of a it was scary that night <laughs> a little bit scary that night what year what year was that now oh oh five ish probably yeah, again we're, we're talking sign boys that's pretty old oh four oh five oh six it was I had already yeah. i had already seen eminem and 50 together that was the first time i got to see little john well, the only reason I was bringing it up is because from what I from what I understand, and this comes through my brother-in-law because his father is a police officer 
I don't know if his father was a police officer in Camden or just near Camden, but supposedly Camden's gotten a lot better over the last several years. It's not quite as scary as it used to be. Supposedly, like, I've never it was, there, so I can't. It was cool because like Eminem had D12 with him, and 50 had yeah. like all his guys. He had Banks and Yayo and stuff. So like we got to see like we really got to see a really good show. Like because we they all had their posse's with them. And we got to see them all perform. And that was the only time I ever got to see Little John, but that's the one time I went to a concert with Theo, and it was it was a good time. So Sakamoto went with us too. So yeah, there was there was there was so much pop Sakamoto. at that goddamn concert. It was great. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even have to ask any for any directions. Just sit there and inhale all this shit in and get secondhand good pot smoke. Did you get the good old contact pot? Oh, it's great. I loved it. <laughs> All right. With that story, which is awesome, uh, we will head into Mount Rushmore. And our Mount Rushmore today is going to be our favorite group or artist of all time. So this could be any genre of music, any time period. It does not matter is who your favorite is. So let Pat Pat go first. (laughs) All right. Darth Pat, you are going to start us. There's no mystery here. So let him go gonna say if you're if you're listening to anything i said throughout this podcast i'm pretty sure you know the Beatles. um i mean the only other thing i just i just want to say about it is um i i really didn't like the beatles when i was a little kid kind of like what aj was saying about uh liking or not liking what it is that your parents listen to there there was the one radio station out here 99.9 which was once upon a time called Hot 99.9, and they played. Oh like, yeah, that shit They played, great. They played <laughs> all the current stuff, and then all of a sudden they went oldies, as they called it. So they started basically playing all the '60s music, and you know, so that became my parents' go-to station. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just presented a lot of it at the time, and you know, I was listening to my own stuff, which like you know was Pearl Jam and stuff. I remember when I bought and Pearl Jam. Classical music, apparently. No, that's another story. <laughs> Like I, I remember telling my dad when I first bought Pearl Jam's ten on cassette, I told him that they said "fuck" on the album three times, and he's like, "Well, that's three times too many." Um, <laughs> that is a really good album, Pat. I do like that album also. I it's still my favorite Pearl Jam album, even though I do like a lot of their stuff. I still feel like that's like their best. But anyway, um, the transformative moment for me really became when like the Beatles anthology documentary aired on ABC Television. I think it was. It was 96 or 97. I don't remember which year exactly. And I, I wasn't like, didn't like go to like sit down and watch it because I wanted to learn anything. I didn't, I still didn't care about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But my dad was watching it. And I walked in right at the part where they're showing like the, uh, the video, I guess you could more or less call it for Hey Jude. And just something just all of a sudden like, like, like switched on where it was like, like wow this is incredible this is just mm-hmm. like why why am i not listening to this and so like i started getting into their stuff from there and just kind of took off and then i started getting into the other like classic rock groups like the rolling stones and the who and you know just kind of branched out and then i became a bit of a musical snob where it was like if it wasn't like classic rock stuff i didn't want any to listen to it at all <laughs> so it was kind of a weird it was a weird thing but again it was just I've seen like other like famous people make comments like 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 oh I didn't like the Beatles at first because they were just this pop group but then 
when it got to like the later Beatles era, whether it was Sgt. Pepper or Hey Jude or Abbey Road or the White Album or whatever, like that's when they felt like they kind of started liking them and over my dad told me he felt the same way he never liked the beatles until he heard the white album so mm-hmm. i don't know it just it just triggered some moment and it's just you know when you read so much about them and like you even like you watch their movies and and everything because the elvis made movies but a lot of the movies elvis made were were, were bad the the, the beatles <laughs> The Beatles, the, the Beatles movies, except for, for Magical Mystery Tour, which was just some kind of like acid trip train wreck. But like <laughs> the first two Beatles, the first two Beatles movies, The Hard Day's Night in Help, and then Yellow Submarine, are are really are really classic. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it's it's really hard to put into words sometimes. But it's just I felt like you know they're just what I was drawn to, and they like really still always have been, and probably will always be that way from here on out i certainly like like a lot more stuff than i did then but it's still always going to be the beatles at the top and i would say if i had to pick a number two it's it's also the rolling stones just because they've endured for so long as well yeah nice the beatles it's a great pick all right on to it's a cliche oh well (laughs) on to aj nitro uh i'm gonna take jay-z so I think he's I think he's the best rapper of all time. So he's my number one. Uh, I think the Blueprint One is one of the best rap albums of all time. Hard Knock Life is my favorite Jay Z song of all time. I love that song still to this day. Big so, pimping. I like that song also. That that would probably that be number two. Anybody, but go ahead. <laughs> that that would be number two. So, but Hard Knock Life was the song that like got me into Jay Z, and I'm just like anybody that can take a beat from Annie, and turn it into this. He also has another song where he took a beat from an from like Oliver Twist and turned that into something entertaining. So like he he likes to he liked to dabble in that stuff back in the early 2000s. So mm-hmm. I've seen Jay Z in concert four times. Wow. So I and it's it was 97. Like, I think 2003, 2000, when I went with Theo, and then I just saw him again like five or six years ago. So I've seen him in, I think I saw him in three different decades even in concert. So Mm -hmm. it's not like it was bam, bam, bam. It's like three different decades even I've seen him. So he's he's been my favorite rapper for a really long time. So I'm going to go with Jay-Z for that one. Cool. I, I would also say it probably does take a special kind of talent to, like you said, take a beat from Annie, make a huge hit record out of it, and have it become such a huge hit record that it gets parodied in pop culture to such a, <laughs> to, to such a, you know, fairly Austin human, Powers, like in the, yes, in the third Austin Powers movie, so. <laughs> um that that does uh, to me it's like you know that's it's, it's kind of silly to, but i think that does also kind of speak that uh, hey there's obviously a lot of, a lot going on there a lot of and talent and he has a lot of he has a lot of songs like theo alluded to earlier with guys where you listen to his album and it's not a hit he has a lot of songs that i like that weren't hits and you know i could i could you know list them you know that there's a ton of songs he has that i really like that never got radio play you know there's a a couple of his albums where at the end there's a song and then there's two or three extra songs but you have to listen to the end on the cd to get to those songs Mm -hmm. like he did that on a couple of his albums i'm sure other people did it but i remember when he did it 
So he's had a couple of really good songs, like at the end of albums that were like secret songs per se. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of those guys where like every single album I listen to, I can say like I liked ninety five percent of every single song on and he, on that. He album. puts on a really good show, and the last time I went to see him, <sighs> it was really cool because a lot of rap concerts I've been to, it's multiple acts, like it's five different acts together or. Or like when we, yeah. me and Jeremy saw Wu-Tang, it was all of Wu-Tang performing. When I went to see Jay-Z the last time, it was just Jay-Z and Timberland. So when Jay-Z was taking his breaks, Timberland was just out scratching and dropping beats from all his greatest songs. So it was a really cool like in-between thing to get to hear Timberland scratching and playing his beats and stuff. And wow, everybody, cool. anybody that listens to rap knows how many great beats that guy's created. <laughs> yeah, so for a lot of people. pretty much every Missy Elliott song. <laughs> yes. So it was, that was, that a was a really neat, kind of a really neat twist on that, that I wasn't necessarily expecting that night was that part of it too. Nice. All right. So I'm going to go next. And this one, like I said to you guys before we started the podcast, you probably will never even think of this. You guys will know who it is, but probably would have never thought it's my favorite group of all time. And that's Live. Live is... I alone! Yep, (laughs) is my favorite group of all time. Now, they're not... When it comes to being, like, big-time names, they really peaked with... Throwing Copper, that was their biggest album of all time. Um, Secret Samadhi was a, was a good album, but it, they kind of went downhill from there. They had some radio play off of most of their albums, but it was like one song here or two songs, maybe max. Um, but there's not an album that I listen to, and, I, and I'm going back to Mental Jewelry, which was before uh, Throwing Copper came out. That was officially their first album was Mental uh, Jewelry. Most of their albums, I can listen to at least three quarters of their songs, if not more, depending on the album. Like they're just, and they're homegrown. Like it, it almost seems like a homer throw out there, like for sports teams. But they were out of Lancaster area in Pennsylvania, um, and another one of my other favorite bands came from Pennsylvania too. They're from the Scranton Wilkesbury area, um, but Live is just one of those bands I've seen them multiple times. Um, I was really pissed off when they broke up um, because the heads, the lead singer Ed wanted to receive more money from their concerts and royalties and stuff like that because he was the singer. And they said, uh, no, we're a group and we've always been a group and we all get a fair share. Uh, so he kind of took a hiatus, tried to do his own thing and then realized, you know what? I is as good as I am. I'm much better with the rest of the guys and being part of live. So it was really cool to see them just last year when they came back on the 25th anniversary of Throwing Copper being out. And they released, they re-released that album with the songs that didn't make the first cut. So they had three extra songs on there that were not part of that, which is really cool too. So it's just, you know, it's it's funny. I go to that, I go to a concert like that and I see some younger people but I see a whole bunch of people my freaking age and older that are just rocking out to this band that's been around since the 90s. And just, you know, even though they were not a huge mainstream act, they're still selling out small, you know, smaller venues. But they're still selling them out and people are rocking out and just having a good time that's... and stuff. And it's funny, that concert that I went to, the opening act was Bush, who 
like was another good band back in the nineties and who I really enjoyed a lot of their music too. So it was really cool. So yep. Live is my, is my pick from Mount Rushmore this year. That's I how, mean, that's <laughs> how this year, this, this week, <laughs> that's how it is with Jimmy world too, Jeremy. They're not like a huge name band, no. but I go to their concerts and, and there's a ton of people there and they sell out the small venues. I also am not surprised. I knew I, I, until once you said it, I remember, you liking live and stuff. So like, I, I knew you liked them. So you didn't, I didn't really, you didn't really surprise me on that one. Of course I didn't. It's hard to surprise you. No, <laughs> I remember, I remember you liking them though, when I yeah. lived there and, and I remember yeah. talking about them with you and stuff. So I think it would have surprised you if I would have said breaking Benjamin, cause that's the other group from Pennsylvania that I was, yeah, a bit, I don't, a big I don't even of. know who that is. So yeah, they're, they're a heavy, they're more of on the heavy metal side of the rock genres. Yeah. So that leaves you, Theo, for your Mount Rushmore can I, can I, pick. Can I just real quick? Sure. Live also led to one of the funniest uh, Beavis and Butthead segments of all time. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you, you you probably you could probably find it on YouTube, but it, it gets taken down and put back up a lot. But it's it's when they're watching the video for I Alone. Oh. There's there there's a lot there's a lot of pretty hilarious stuff in there like if i ever need like a good like quick laugh i'll like bring up youtube and i'll go look for it because it just makes me laugh every single time so i will have <laughs> to find that clip because i don't care who they make fun of them I, I i always enjoy a good comedy so i'll have to find that clip yeah they they they, they make reference to some incident that apparently happened with beavis at a bus station uh and then they start talking about like who's this jackass jumping around it's like uh i think it's the drummer it's like, <laughs> he's like where are your drums yeah so uh it, it's, it's definitely worth watching it's it's funny when my brother ned got he would get drunk and act like an idiot to that song he would just run around and just act crazy <laughs> i played that one at my first wedding just to see him get drunk and act like a complete idiot and he did he did he delivered in full i, 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 I remember seeing that <laughs> She showed us that video at least once, and we saw that. So. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, you just that video. I used yeah, to, yeah. I used to. That that was like a cult classic, that VHS tape for my first wedding. But then I retired it. And I don't show it to anybody ever again. So. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. I have no clue. <laughs> I wonder, wonder, wonder who. No, I'm sorry, wrong song. <laughs> Did he fuck up again, Pat? <laughs> That was on that time. It was on. Purpose. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure whatever he was doing there was intentional. So. <laughs> All right. On to you, Theo, to finish off Mount Rushmore. Who is your uh, favorite group or artist of all time? All right. So me, I mentioned earlier that R&B was my favorite genre. My second favorite is actually rock. Um, I liked a lot of the hair bands in the eighties, some rock bands in the seventies. You know, I like Eric Clapton. Um, God, uh, forgot the other guy's name. Just had it in my, in my head, my mind. I'm forgetting already. But nonetheless, I mentioned them. I mentioned this group earlier in the podcast. Um, Joe Perry is another great guitarist, and Aerosmith is my choice. Um, I've listened to um, their albums when I used to live in Chicago. Um, my dad's best friend was into rock music and he used to play Aerosmith uh, pretty religiously. 
um, back then. And I was probably, this is talking, you know, the early 80s. So I was, you know, five-ish, you may want to say around that age. But he played Aerosmith religiously in the basement. Um, uh, so I just, we were over there all the time. So I got into it. And then uh, as I was getting older, I just, you know, kept listening to Aerosmith. Um, I listened to every, I've listened to every single album they've come out with. You know, I have the greatest hits. I have some of their live stuff um, as well. I just, uh, Joe Perry's a great guitarist as well. I love listening to him play the guitar. Steven Tyler's just different. He's that crazy flamboyant with the streamers on his microphone, just doing things that are different, which I, I, I liked. And just the, you know, the attitude of the group and everything with it, the music, the songs, just, I just enjoyed it all. And I still do, you know, um, on my Spotify, I'll, I'll hop on my Spotify sometimes and, you know, all right, let me go to my like sections, my albums and start just randomly <laughs> playing Aerosmith, you know, just to change it up. But, you know, I always go back to that. Uh, so yeah, Aerosmith's my pick. You know, I just, uh, a group I've, I've always loved listening to. Nice. The long hair, and I gotta say, they kind of got me on the kick with the long hair because you know, growing <laughs> up, my parents always made me have you know cut my hair a certain way. I always have short hair, and then, you know, I was listening to Aerosmith uh, when I graduated high school, and I was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm growing my hair out, and I grew my hair out. I had long hair for 20 years, so yeah, <laughs> all because of them. I was like, fuck it, I'm growing my hair out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you know what yeah. the crazy thing about Aerosmith is? They did not have a number one hit until the movie Armageddon came out and their song from Armageddon. That's crazy. With all the good music that they had, they didn't have a number one hit until um, – I can't even think of the name of the song right now. Um, but it was the song from – but the song from Armageddon. It's crazy. Like I was like, really? When I heard that, I was like, that's nuts because they're so yeah. good. That's that's not entirely uncommon though because like the Who for example, not only did they never have a number one hit like as a single, I think they only ever even had one top ten hit, and a large part of that is because they were more of an album band than a singles band, right? But 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 still, it's like for as like as they're commonly regarded as one of like the greater you know rock bands of all time. It, it is pretty, you know, shocking to think that it's like, oh, they didn't have like that one big, huge hit song. It's like, yeah, most of their more familiar songs for the most part were uh, were album tracks in a lot in lots of ways. But yeah. yeah. So just to wrap up our Mount Rushmore of great favorite band or artist of all time, we have The Beatles, Jay Z, Live, and Aerosmith. A really diverse um mount rushmore this this week so pretty awesome i love all the picks i actually enjoy all those people and bands so you know it's pretty awesome so that does bring us to the end of our show uh and we want to once again just thank everybody for watching or tuning in however you're catching this we do appreciate it uh we hope you got a lot of good information we hope you were entertained uh through this entire episode i certainly got quite a few laughs out of it i think we had quite a few laughs overall um so tune in next week when we talk about wrestling goat who is the wrestling goat which ought to be interesting because there's a lot of good wrestlers to choose from that were could possibly fall into that category of the wrestling goat so definitely tune in next week when we talk about that. We want to thank everybody once again for tuning in. 
We're going to say peace, and we'll talk to you next week.